With us this morning is uh, Robert Jones, who has some wonderful credentials behind his name. Uh, professor, department chair biblical, of biblical counseling and practical theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Previously served as pastor in West Virginia, North Carolina, and is a professor at Southeastern Seminary. Uh, the subject is uh, his most recent book, My Spouse Was Unfaithful. A difficult subject mm. to talk about uh, when it's happened to you and even difficult when it's uh, happened to somebody who is close to you, a dear friend. Mm -hmm. So, uh, sir, thank you very, very much for spending some time with us this morning and talking about a, an important but uh, uncomfortable subject. Well, we're glad, I'm glad to be here, and yes, what you said is a good summary, important and uncomfortable. Yeah, so Robert, what got you into writing this book, this very terrible mm. thing that happens in people's lives, and that is when we're betrayed by the one closest to us. Well, it came out of my pastoral ministry, desiring to minister to people in my community, and I had back in the early 2000s about eight cases in the space of three years, not in my own church, but in neighboring churches and churches in the community, and uh, it just forced me to really work hard at that and scan the scriptures, and really spend a lot of time thinking about people. And uh, out of that, I can report that six of those eight, eight cases did result in reconciliation. Mm. Wow, that's, that's quite the success rate. That's, uh, that's amazing. This is a subject that y you probably, you don't pick up this book and say, oh, this looks like interesting casual reading. You pick this book up because this is a subject that is, um, that's important to you. Maybe it's, it's an experience that you perhaps have had. What what should people know picking up the book? What should they prepare for in order to get into this? Because, again, this can be an, an, an emotional subject. Yes. I, I should give one disclaimer. This is not about my own spouse, but that's always an awkward thing when you have a book title. Uh, I find that the really the most important thing is the person who's been victimized in this way. It's their relationship with God himself. And so really the, the whole first half and even beyond of this short book is designed to discuss the relationship the person has with their God in the midst of the, uh, the, the hardship mm. that this, this brings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Robert, what does it look like to move forward closer to God in those times where we're betrayed or when our spouse has been unfaithful? You know, we have so many psalms and examples in the New Testament of people who have suffered horrific things, and they've learned to, to believe in the goodness and sovereignty and wisdom of God. And those three attributes, uh, kind of an old Jerry Bridges triad, sovereign, wise, and good God, uh, we can't avoid the sovereignty question here. God has allowed this into my life for his purposes, and it can be very, very hard. And so this drawing near to God in the midst of hardship and finding his solace, comfort, promises to hold on to you are really the, the, the most important things initially. I, I have been witness to friends meaning well in, in a circumstance like this. They want to see the relationship repaired. They want to see things be restored, like you're talking about. 
but at times, you know, their advice is this. Well, you have to forgive, and you have to forgive right now. What do you say to that kind of advice that's given when emotions are so raw and, and the, the, the hurt is so intense? The focus really does have to be upward toward our Lord and not primarily how you're going to look at the, the adulterer uh, in your life. I do want to make a distinction between a kind of attitudinal forgiveness, a kind of dealing with your um, bitterness and things like that. That really is an issue between you, you and the Lord, and that's going to take time. And then I would distinguish that from the actual transacting of forgiveness mm. that, in my mind, requires repentance by the offender, and it requires a lot of work and uh, the fruit of repentance needs to be seen. And so this is uh, the book that's aimed right here for the sinned against partner, uh, but there will be forthcoming a book that would uh, aim at how to uh, lead the, the uh, adulterer into, into repentance. Mm-hmm. But this is a process, and it involves a lot of pastoral care and careful, prayerful uh, ministry. I'm so glad you said that, because to just jump in to and to continue the relationships with just a kind of wiping over of mm-hmm. the offense without dealing with the issues that led to it is going to mean more heartache in the future. I mean, it seems to me that there is a need for some really tough love in these situations. Even if there is going to be some kind of restoration of marital commitment, you know, a renewal of covenantal commitment. In one sense, I tell my students, you're now just beginning marriage counseling. This is crisis ministry. We haven't gotten to the marriage counseling, all the components that led up to the infidelity. You know, these things don't happen in a healthy marriage. They don't happen in a vacuum. And so, yeah, there's a lot of work we need to do. One of the things that I find that is important here for the person who's been sinned against in this way is that they can often have a very kind of confused form of guilt, feeling that they're responsible, and all the if-onlys, I think, can kick in at this point. If only I'd been more faithful. If only I figured this out earlier. And there's so many dangers, and we try to address those early on in the book. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions that run rampant in in a situation of that nature. Anytime there's, you know, a, a difficult or a traumatic experience, all of the emotions seem to bubble up. And and how do you, how can you process and know the difference between what is good thoughts and and positive and and the right direction to go in, and what thoughts you should just like, okay, I got to dismiss that. I got to put that behind me. I got to. I've got to get some some strength here and and guidance. Well, one of the first things I think we who are the caregivers here, pastors and other brothers and sisters in the body, we have to help a person avoid making any rash decisions based on that confused thinking. So we want to, like, slow that down. And then it's going to involve a lot of dialogue with that person in light of Psalms and other passages of God's promises there to try to slow down the emotional rush that's, that's occurred. Because I think you're right. And the, the emotions can be very confusing. And, you know, I talked about a kind of confused form of guilt. But then, of course, you have, you have a, an anger and, and, and bitterness against the perpetrator, against the other, the, other, the other party. And you have 
all sorts of fears and uh, anxiety there, and you certainly have a, a lot of sadness and, and even depression. Uh, you know, oh, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my children? What are my parents going to say? What are my in-laws going to say? Um, it's a very rich, hard time uh, for someone. Mm-hmm. Robert, one thing we haven't mentioned, but that I've thought about is that there are so many different ways we can betray our spouse, not just physical, but there are other ways that we can betray our spouse, maybe even financially is one way. Um, How do you deal with that? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, because while the focus of the book and the kind of most common illustration running through would be sexual infidelity it is designed to be applied to other forms of betrayal you know financial betrayal um, emotional distancing and things like that and 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 so we we want to uh, see the commonality in all these kinds of betrayals they all have to do with the betrayal of trust and so in my experience I think working with those who have been sinned against in this way is often they are more able or more quickly able to forgive the sexual mistreatment or even the financial betrayal or whatever. Um, the action, it's, it's the betrayal, it's the broken trust, mm-hmm. it's the broken promise mm-hmm. that becomes so uh, hard to, to deal with. One of the things I've always read about these circumstances um, is that in order for there to be healing, in order for there to be reconciliation, it requires the dedication and work on both parties, that one person cannot heal the relationship, just like one person's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is one person's not solely responsible for the destruction of the relationship as well, but it takes both to to put forth the the effort to to work to do the work is is that accurate or or can one person just pull the other person along i think given the severity of what we're talking about it does require two yeah i mean the the, the good news in this is that any individual can seek to please god and can enjoy god's comfort and blessing mm. in his or her life and so the goal in all these cases must be to to please and honor in, uh, God, not to restore the marriage, because you can't control that outcome. Yeah, that's you right. You can't restore unilaterally the marriage. You can only be the the man or woman God is calling you to, to be in this situation, all in response to God's grace in Christ, all dependent on the Holy Spirit. And the body of Christ, I think what's crucial here for for both partners uh, is that uh, brothers and sisters, pastors and elders come alongside and really try to love on and serve mm. and help. Excellent. Mm. That is, that is yes. a very poignant piece of advice, mm-hmm. is that the focus needs to be on becoming the person that God wants you to be and let Him guide where it all goes. Yes, I that's, think that's... That's, so wise. Yeah, And very sometimes, much. as as we know, it, the restoration of the marriage doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And, and that's not a loss in the sense of one's relationship to God if you've sought to do what's right. Obviously, it's a, a major disappointment and heartbreak, but, but even there, there is life after 
um, divorce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, there in is. Jesus Christ. Yes, That's right. Is. So let's go there, because as we close out the conversation, let's talk a little bit about hope and sharing hope with those who have recently been hurt. Maybe they're in, sitting in the situation right now, and they're fe- feeling hopeless. So let's infuse them with some biblical hope this morning. Well, the first and foremost hope is because of Jesus Christ's love for you and his death and resurrection for you and the uh, promise of God the Father to be with you and your and the Spirit to indwell you, uh, O oh brother or sister in Jesus who has been sinned against in this way. You can draw near to God. You can have a life that is indeed full because of Christ. In terms of your marriage, uh, we would obviously encourage you to take the kind of steps here in, that we've outlined and pray that God would use those steps to bring about a repentance um, from your from your partner. And uh, we certainly want to appeal for that. Uh, I think the Church, if these are members of a Church, the Church must step up. Um, and uh, there's, there's steps of discipline that will be needed if the uh, perpetrator of this remains unrepentant. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sir, thank you very much for doing the difficult work yes. of, 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 of helping people to heal and researching this and, and offering uh, advice. We greatly appreciate what you do. And thank you for spending some time with us this morning to talk about a, an important, uh, difficult topic. Well, I want to thank you uh, for prioritizing this kind of topic I know airtime is precious, so I appreciate the priority that you all have placed on this topic, and uh, thank you for your work. Have a good rest of your day, my brother. Okay, brother. Thank you, sister. Appreciate you.